a lot of folks, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of folks have noticed and noted over the years what a wonderful work Ruth is. It, it, it's a beautiful piece of literature. It's, it gets a kind of romantic. It's very warm. It's emotional. It's well-written. Uh, interesting characters, a very happy ending. And, and we're going to be walking through this book together in the weeks to come. As, as one person talks about it, these first verses are about choices God's people can make in their life and the consequences of those choices. There are defining moments, crossroads in every life that can set us on a certain road. Sometimes we choose that road in our life very deliberately. Other times it seems like our road chooses us. For example, it's not our choice when a friend or a spouse dies. Uh, we don't cho- choose to get a life-threatening disease. We don't choose to have a terrible accident. And those are defining moments that change the course of our life too. This book of the Bible starts out with a choice that's made, a road that's traveled, events that happen, and this beautiful book that ends well starts out pretty grim. We're given the context right away. In the days when the judges ruled. It's not just a date or a time. There's meaning behind that. There's theological meaning for God's people. There wasn't much good to say about the days of the judges. Judges followed a high point in the history of God's people at the end of Joshua. And we were there not that long ago. At the beginning of June, we ended the book of Joshua. At the end of the book of Joshua... The people had settled into the promised land, and they made this amazing, this strong commitment to the Lord and his ways after Joshua led the way and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pretty quickly after that, the people of Israel entered into the time of the judges. It lasted 400 years, and it was a period of time characterized by a particular cycle. Chris, could you put that up? You may have seen, um, you can't read the words, the little words, but that's okay. You see the cycle, maybe in in school uh, when you were younger uh, or in Sunday school, you you saw this cycle throughout the book of Judges, 400 years of this cycle. People rebelled against God in sin. God sent judgment to wake them up. The people would repent ask God for help, God would send a judge, a deliverer, to rescue them. And then there'd be uh, a time of, of peace and harmony again until they started disobeying. Well, there was this cycle. What happened over the years, this cycle went around, but it also spiraled downward over the centuries. And the final chapters of the book of Judges show us a people who had totally lost their way, a people who were basically just as bad as those original pagan inhabitants of the land. 
Even though God had warned them again and again, they made that commitment in Joshua, and he continually warned them, do not follow the way of the Canaanites. Don't live like them. So this was in that time. These were dark times in the history of the church. A lot of disobedience. As the very end of Judges describes the problem, Judges 21-25, everyone did as he saw fit. And another way to put that is, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. If it continued, it would ultimately have to result in judgment on the land and judgment on God's people. And that's what the covenant made with Moses back in Deuteronomy 28 talked about. It's possible that Ruth is near the end of these 400 years. It's actually pretty likely. There's this family tree at the end of the book. We'll get there in a few weeks. That family tree would imply we're near the end. Regardless of that, that, the exact time, in the days of the judges tells us enough. In these days, there was a famine. We don't know the exact cause of the famine, but very likely they were in a down cycle where God's judgment was on them. The result was that Elimelech and Naomi didn't have food in the house anymore. Their boys, Malon and Killian, were starving. Hunger is something terrible, and we here can't, can't even enter into it. We've all been hungry when dinner gets closer, but to be starving... Most of us are going to stuff ourselves later this week with Thanksgiving feasts, eat more than we should. But think about living in a time where you'd leave church here, you'd go home, and you had no food. You picture that, boys and girls? You go home and, and you ask your mom and dad for food, and your mom and dad are like, sorry, we don't have any food for you. And the whole land was that way. There was no food. There was no food in the stores. This is what they were experiencing. It's very ironic that they were in Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem means the house of bread. The house of bread. There was no bread there. So they planned to go away for a little while. Leave Israel. Go to the other side of the Jordan River to Moab. Chris, could you put that up there? I just want you to see. You see Canaan. Jerusalem in bold letters just below that in a lighter font is Bethlehem. Not that far in today's terms, but it's, it's going completely out of the promised land. It's crossing the Jordan River in the, in the Dead Sea. It would have been um, a hike, walking uh, for sure. Thanks, Chris. So they, they go there because there's food there. Makes sense, Right? But then we have to stop, because while it makes sense on first glance, um, and and we think about today, if if we were struggling with finances and food on the table, I mean, there are any number of places we could go as Christians and serve the Lord, right? You don't have to live in or around Elmhurst. There are many places in this country where Christians can serve. Many places throughout the world. But for God's people then, this was their special place to live. He was leaving the promised land. Okay? 
Elimelech was at a crossroads here in his life. He had a choice to make. Stay in God's land, mourn the sin that was around him, trust in God's provision, or leave. And he decides to leave. That, that, it's basically the equivalent today to leaving the church. Because the church, God's people, were so wrapped up in that land. It would, it would be like today if a Christian would decide to, to move to a place where there was no Bible-believing, sound church available. You can't expect that that would go well, no matter what type of job you're offered, no matter how much money you'd make. That, that's not going to go well. We don't do that. For God's people then, in this part of the church's history, leaving the promised land was a very bad choice. And of all the places to go, uh, Moab wasn't known for anything good. Uh, we could go into that, but the Moabites originated, you know, from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. So it, it didn't get much better from there for these people. When things don't go well, God's people, they were to call out to him for help. But like seemingly everybody else in those days, Elimelech chose to do what was best in his own eyes. Instead of following the path of faith, instead of trusting God to provide, he did what seemed right to him. You know, it's possible that Elimelech and Naomi were like, as soon as we can, we'll get back to the promised land. But that's not what happened. Verse 1 says they went to live for a while. That's the same word as an older word, uh, sojourn, that uh, we use with Abraham, who never really settled in a land. He sojourned. But then verse 2 says, and they lived there. Some translations say, and this is right, they stayed there. So even if the plan was for it to be temporary, that's not how it turned out. They just decided to stay. So, so a family of the church decides to go move in the middle of pagans. They first of all thought about filling their bellies. Then they thought about God and his people and his church. There are defining moments in our lives that are going to impact our future. Certain roads will lead us to a certain destination. Israel as a whole was choosing poorly again and again in these days. So did Elimelech. And, and, and we, we really have to admit today that that's our tendency too, isn't it? To choose what's right in our own eyes and that usually means choosing what will give us the most comfort and security. We could give lots of examples of this, but just uh, in light of uh, last Sunday, this, this matter of our tithes and offerings, uh, scriptures call that 10% of our income goes to the church and beyond as the starting point starting point of our financial stewardship. So many people don't do it because it's not comfortable. But the Bible says, and we saw it, if you do obey, you will live your life under an open heaven with God's blessings. The path we choose with our giving 
to obey God or not, it will have results in our life. And the same with many other matters. The road we choose impacts our life, the life of our loved ones. Like God's people then, we can make choices that seem best to us without giving thought to the long-term implications, without serious reflection on what God wants. Each one did what was right in his own eyes. The move to Moab went okay at first. They had food to eat. Elimelech could support his wife and sons, but the road turned out to be a, a total dead end. Elimelech died. And at this point, Naomi had a choice to make too. She could have gone back to the promised land, but she stayed. She persisted in this bad choice. Time passed. The boys grew up. And they did what boys generally do. They looked for girls. There being no Israelite girls, they married Moabite girls. God's law so clearly commanded the people not to marry outside the faith. People from these foreign nations. And they did. But that should not have been any surprise. What in the world would you expect? This was a direct result of the parents moving where they did, and Naomi not moving back to Israel. Naomi was still relatively okay. She had her sons. They were young. They're married. They could provide for her and their wives. It seemed okay for 10 years, although the barrenness of her daughters-in-law might have been a sign that, that something was out of whack here, that God wasn't blessing them. But then both sons died. And now Naomi really was all alone. Who would support a foreign widow in her declining years? No family or husband meant no food. There was a reason that that God kept telling his people to care for the alien and the widow. People in those days did not care for the least of these. They let them rot. Now, Naomi must have reflected on all of this, finally, at some point. She realized what was going on. If you look ahead to verse 13 and 21 of, of, of this chapter, she had some sense that the calamities were a result of her disobedience. But now, you know, that, that's where we need, need to stop again here. What about for us? How does, how does that work? When, when you go through hard times, is that because you chose the wrong road? Well, Definitely not necessary. Remember Job? Job was totally devoted to God, yet all these troubles came upon him. And, and certainly, no matter what, you know, sometimes God's people go through hard times. They're like, is God punishing me for something in my life? No, God does not punish us in our lives. Jesus on the cross took on the punishment that we deserve. God does not punish us. God corrects his people, no doubt. But if we're in Jesus, he doesn't punish us in our lives. Some of what's going on here, these direct results, have to do with the Old Testament. And the curses and the blessings of the covenant seem to be much more direct there, um, pointing us to spiritual realities in Jesus Christ. They're more direct physical consequences of disobeying God in the Old Testament. But, But today... If someone gets sick or a family has trouble, that does not necessarily mean there's been disobedience. 
Maybe someone's going through hard times and it's like Job. They've actually been very devoted to the Lord. So we have to be very careful, very careful in how we apply and take passages like this. We have to be very careful against making judgments when people go through suffering. However, that doesn't take away the fact that there are implications to the choices we make in our lives. The fact is that if we follow God's ways, if we seek to do life his way, life works. If we don't, life goes down the wrong path. We go on in Ruth. In verse 6, God comes to the aid of his people, we read. They must have been in that part of the cycle where they cry out to him, they repent, they ask for his help. Naomi decides to go back. That was the right thing to do. And this was not an easy choice for her. You know, you know Naomi had nothing to go back to, right? Naomi would have no land. Land is what you needed to live. She would have no land when she went back. The death of her husband and boys meant the loss of her inheritance. They lost their allotment of the land when it was all divided up in between families. So it wouldn't have been an easy choice to go back at this time, yet she does. She makes the right choice despite that. She chooses to go back to the people of God. So you see... There was disobedience going on. There were wrong choices made, but Naomi wasn't lost, was she? God did not forget about her. As one pastor puts it, God's grace is the great X factor on the road of the life of his people. And that's true for your life too. In the midst of your decisions, wondering what to do, sometimes thinking I shouldn't have done that, But God's grace is the great X factor and steps in. God's people disobey, but God stays faithful. We even saw that last week in Malachi 3. The fact fact is, if not for the grace of God, every single one of us would be on a dead-end road in our life. The fact is, every one of us would fall away in an instant because of our own bad choices. But God's grace is greater than our sin and rebellion. He gives us chances to return, and he even works himself in our hearts by the Holy Spirit so we can see our mistakes and correct them and make good choices through his power. Naomi was not without fault but she still had a future because of God's grace. That's true for you and for me too. We are not without fault. We've made mistakes, but we have a future because of the grace of God. The reason for hope is God's faithfulness to us. He was so faithful that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be born in this very town, Bethlehem, that they left. He faithfully walked the road of obedience, perfect obedience all his life. 
He made the choice to take that road to the cross to save his people from their sin, the path that led to our salvation. And in Jesus Christ, God meets us on the road of our lives. He takes us, his wayward children, home. This morning, I want to end with a word to our young people. Okay? I've learned from Crossroad Bible Institute uh, that discipleship through the mail for prisoners, that recent studies estimate over 50% of people in prison have some level of FASD. You know what that is? It's fetal alcohol syndrome. Over 50% of people in prison are estimated to have some level of FASD. FASD comes as a result of a mother drinking too much when a child is in the womb. FASD has profound impacts on people's lives, especially in two ways. They have difficulty learning from their mistakes... They have difficulty anticipating the consequences of their actions. It's like they they can't really look ahead and if I do this. Elimelech and Naomi did not have FASD, but they did have CFD, Covenant Forgetfulness Disorder. They had CFD. They forgot the covenant. And the impact in their lives was very similar. We've been brought to God's grace in this sermon, and I I hope and pray that that's what has come through and always does. The fact is, God's grace will follow us wherever we go. God won't let his children go. But it's also a fact, and I believe this text shows us clearly, the decisions that we make in our lives will have results. Elimelech's decision to ignore the covenant had implications. He ignored God's way. He did his own thing. What seemed best to him in his eyes, that had results. Young people, you have choices and decisions to make in your life. You can choose to be sexually active before marriage. You can choose to experiment with drugs. You can choose to have drinking be the central activity on the weekend when you hang out with your friends. Boys and girls, you can choose at school when another boy or girl is being bullied and made fun of. You can choose to just stand there and watch. You can choose to laugh along. Young adults, you can choose a job for the money even when you know that it will not be spiritually best for you. All of those choices will have consequences in your life. And and you have to ask yourself, will this choice, where will this choice take me? Will this choice take me to the land of Moab Or will this choice take me closer into the arms of my God? Young people, if you make choices 
with God's covenant and his love in mind, with his call, with his word close to your heart, then you can trust that God's spirit will never, ever lead you astray. He'll never let you down. You may have made mistakes, and you have to live your life with the results of those mistakes, but God transforms even our messes for his glory. And you can start out on a new path here and now. You may be at the threshold of making some big decisions in your life. You don't have to go the way of the crowd. You don't have to go the way of the world. Listen to God's word. Get advice from mature Christians you respect when you need it. You may have family members you can talk to. We have wonderful saints in this church and elders and deacons you can talk to. My office door is always open. I know Pastor Mike's is too. With the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we can be a generation that does what is right in God's eyes, not our own. In God's eyes, as we cling to his promises, as we listen to his word, making God-honoring choices that will take us down the road that leads to blessing. Amen.